stream is up, up, up. Yeah, yeah, Gabe, speak. Speaking. Don't mind me, I'm just slamming an, uh, an RX bar. Extremely chewy. The woman warned me, but I said, no, I'm still eating it. <laughs> In fact, I ate two. Nice. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, we got to give it another minute or two, and then we'll get it going, make sure everything is good, everything sounds she's, good. She's questioning my health. She's like, why did you slam 24 grams of protein? <laughs> Maybe I'll do 36. Right. Try me. Don't challenge me, woman. Oh, <laughs> Fuck it, I... My desk a little bit, bro. I'm a little out of whack at the moment. Just a little bit. What we got? Anybody in here? Nah, just me at the moment. That's okay. Close that. Two scripts of protein to go with the vodka from the magazine. What the hell is he talking about? I know exactly what he's talking about. Okay, so you know what he's talking about. Okay, cool. Yes, it's a thing. It is a thing. All righty. All righty. Okay. Make sure we have one more last check before the what's going call it. We go and hit the official record button, you know what I'm saying? All right. Stream manager. Pull that up. Uh, we got. All righty, man. Are you just about ready, sir? Uh, yeah. The uh, second bar has been slammed. So let's let's do this. Let's uh, obtain the screen. <laughs> but. Nice. Oh yeah, now we're ready, now officially. We're, for sure, yeah, for sure. Now you got all that space, you're ready to talk. All right. I, I don't think that's how vocal cords work, but yeah. I mean, are you a doctor? Are you a doctor? I, I can be. I play one on TV. God damn it, San Francisco, where the fuck is your disco? <laughs> oh, hang on, one more. Uh, chili cheese enchilada, we are... Come on, you're supposed to finish it, buddy. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. Dude, come on. Chili cheese enchilada. We are the Devil Wears Prada. Oh. Uh, cool, man. Start, start the fucking start the podcast, <laughs> goddamn you. I, I want to. You keep talking. <laughs> You're pulling a Nick Polk. Remember Polk kept on doing that? Oh, Good. bless. I'm the bitch this week. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode number 165. 
165, big number. Yeah, and we are back on a chilly day on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. I'm your host, Jacob. And, uh, yeah, we're back. It has been over a month since we've run the show, uh, just due to the fact that we've been busy. Uh, but, yeah, I, we, you know, we're, we're here. And we're live on Twitch as well. Um, and, you know, well, let's, let's, let's do this thing, all right? Um, obviously, I'm your host, Jacob. And, uh, see, I forgot what the fucking deal is because it's been so long. Yeah, you, you forgot how to do this podcast? Yeah, I, huh? I forgot, yeah. Uh, I'm your host, Jacob. And with me today, I have Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, What's buddy? What's up? Good, man. Been a, been a long month. Um, and now we're here. We are here. Uh, how's everything been going? Good, good, good. Um, damn, I'm like my brain's trying to catch up from the fucking from one sixty four, one six four. Yep. Um, what did we miss? Well, you went to, I went to Nashville. Went to Nashville. Yeah, how was that? Yeah, I went to Nashville. That was fun. Um, yeah, dude, just got clobbered, ate good, and roamed about. So that was tight. Okay. Uh, Out of ten, what, what would you give Nashville? Like a solid eight and a half. There we go. See. Yeah. Cool. I. I couldn't give it a perfect 10 because, well, you know, I still might get mugged. This is true, but I think that's basically anywhere, though. Yeah, I mean, you can get mugged anywhere, especially yeah. my house. You'll you'll definitely get mugged if you come over. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're joke's on you, though, because then you'll counter mug me, but then joke's on you again because then you'll just have to help me look for the money here because there is none. <laughs> okay. That was a, a weird train of thought that I was not expecting to go down, but that's okay. I've had 24 grams of protein, dude. I'm a fucking wild card today. Yeah, he's he's ready to go, man. He's ready to go. But, yeah, we are back. Uh, same deal, man. Uh, you know, like I said, it's been about a month and, uh, you know, living life, doing our thing. Uh, yeah, just just kind of keep everything together slowly but surely, getting through uh, the start of this peak season. And hopefully, from at least on my end, hopefully it comes to an end relatively soon because I'm getting sick of this shit. You know, I'm getting sick of these boxes, but it is what it is. Uh, so... Uh, we have a little bit of an agenda to go through today, and I figured we'd take our time and talk about a couple of these things. Uh, let's go ahead and get this crack a lack. And if you want us to talk about anything uh, live on Twitch land, just go ahead and drop a, a message on it, and uh, we'll, we'll get chatting with you guys, all right? So let's go ahead and get this started. I think you, I believe you put this up here. I did. Uh, so Netflix and I guess Ubisoft are doing a little collab, and we're getting an Assassin's Creed uh, Netflix show. There's no, There's not much detail, no mm-hmm. release date, no details anything of that nature but um i guess what are your thoughts on this because assassin's creed is kind of like a well-established franchise at this point right yeah uh, my only uh my only uh thought process behind it is i'm kind of interested on what uh exactly what storyline are they taking like do they plan on talking about like uh the animus kind of a situation with miles are they gonna do it from that angle are they just gonna straight up go into the lore of it all because i think people forget that um Assassin's Creed, the first couple of games were simulations. They weren't actually taking place during those time periods that they were marketed right. marketed in. Uh, but recently, um, with the games, that's what's been happening. Basically, you just drop right into the, that world at that time period and you play through it. So I'm wondering uh, what perspective they're taking on that, you know? I got you. Because um, this was also... Um, this was also what is my word choice today uh we, we also got news of a resident evil live action mm-hmm. series too so it looks like maybe video game movies are making a comeback because we all know how well the last set of resident evils did yeah uh we well we talked about the whole monster hunter thing last time we ran the show but i think a tv series is something that we could work with i mean i think it's something that we could at least give a chance we haven't really had a video game tv show other than the og mortal kombat uh, one that used to be on TNT, but that was like not really connected to the games. It was more like its own little 
standalone story. So sure. um, I'm kind of curious on what they're what, what step they're going to take with it. Uh, what would you prefer? Would you prefer them to kind of just drop us in random time periods and living out those scenarios, or would you rather have the Miles aspect of the storyline? Uh, yeah, that's a tricky one because I feel like part of the allure of Assassin's Creed was playing through those time periods and kind of you know seeing the architecture, experiencing mm-hmm. the political dilemmas and stuff like that. And like the Miles portions, I personally didn't mind. I thought it was a fun way to kind of tie them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well that would translate to a you know eight or twelve episode TV run. You know what I mean? I, I actually I, I do kind of have a route for them, but I don't know if they're willing to make the long term investment. You could just do by season, season by time period. So like that first season would be like in the old uh, you know the the original games time period, and then the second season would be you know in the Italian Renaissance era. You know what I mean? So they can go season by season and kind of play around with. Uh, um, you know the the seasons and the stories at that point i guess that's a route but again it's kind of a long-term commitment and who knows how well it'll do i mean it is netflix so it's going to come with a certain t- uh certain type of quality with it you know and yeah uh, uh by that quality you mean they're gonna start and fund two or three seasons and then it's never gonna get a conclusion once everybody's invested yeah i mean that you know but it is what it is but it looks great you know so uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know man it's kind of a kind of a weird spot but I'm, I'm interested in an assassin's creed show i think it would be uh i think it is something that does lend itself to be translated relatively well to uh the style of media you know and I yeah, guess, absolutely. I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see what's going on with that uh, in the long run. But I'm interested. I'm in. Uh, we will keep you guys updated when we get some more info on that. Moving Fuck al- yeah. Moving along. So more, some more MCU news. I know Gabe is very excited about this. Oh, um, livid. Yeah, yeah. He's he's just he's animated about it, guys. Oscar animated. Is, yeah, Oscar Isaacs uh, is going to be playing Moon Knight in the new MCU movies. Uh, you know, I think it's a solid pick. Um, and really not a whole lot to say about it in that regard. I mean, um, I'm sure he'll do fine. They do, if Marvel does one thing well, it's casting. So, um, you know, I'm sure that, uh, that they have confidence in their pick and I'm sure he'll do a good job. I think it's kind of interesting that he's the first to, uh, double dip in the X-Men, um, MCU kind of a thing, I guess. Well, I, well, I guess there is Chris Evans, but that wasn't really X-Men. You guys, you get the point. Um, one of the first guys, the second guys, I guess, at this point, to double dip into this universe and uh, get another crack at another character, a character that's a little bit more obscure. And um, I think that's what Marvel's going to be focusing on at this point is getting some of these obscure characters leveled up, so to speak. So I think it's interesting. Yeah, man. Uh, bring those weirdos to the forefront. Bring those kind of underground heroes and villains. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's expand here. You know what I mean? Uh there's one thing about Oscar Isaac and Moon Knight is that you're right, dude. They fucking knocked it out of the park. He's like perfect for it. The face shape is like spot on. And I think he has like the perfect amount of sass to be Moon Knight because you need to be a little fucking sassy to pull that role off. Yeah, just a little bit because the dude has like borderline personality disorder. So he, he has trauma. So yeah. you need to be sassy, right? Yeah, he has uh, he has some issues. So uh, I guess you kind of have like you said, you, you kind of need that to, to pull off the style of role. Uh, but you know, uh, it's kind of cool. And, um, like I said, they, they do, they do casting very, very well. So I'd imagine that, uh, they know what they're doing because they've known what they're doing up to this point, man. Um, so we got that action next up, uh, Halloween dropped, I guess, was you call this a trailer? I would call it a trailer. Maybe it was a little bit more of a teaser, but it did, yeah, I was gonna say. but it, it's definitely more of more footage. Uh, then we got their the second te- or the original teaser that dropped. So Halloween Kills, I, I think it's finally got its official uh, new release date, which is in October of next year. Um, 
So, because obviously it was supposed to drop this year. So, Halloween Kills got a couple more footage, got a little bit more footage on that. Uh, you know, it has a little bit of narration from Jamie Lee Curtis uh, talking about how he kills, obviously. <laughs> um, and I'm interested, man. I, I, I'm in. I mean, we've talked about this before. Uh, Gabe, probably the biggest supporter of da- the, the Danny McBride Halloween film. And um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. It looks like they are. Um, they're weathering the mask a little bit because obviously he was exposed to fire last time around, and uh, it looks like they're going to have a little, bit, a couple of singe, searing burn marks on this mask, which gives him a little bit more of a uh, sinister look, you know. And uh, yeah, did you see it? I did. It's um, it looks fucking great first and foremost, mm-hmm. um, and then secondly, so I have a couple sources that confirmed okay. that in Halloween Kills that there will be a scene where Myers murders uh, Danny McBride, but it's the Danny McBride from Pineapple Express. And he's going to be like, whoa, man. No, no, I'm totally fucking with you. But <sighs> it does it does look excellent, and I am super excited. Uh, this is one of those things where we've been waiting for it since pretty much the, the last couple minutes of mm-hmm. the previous one, right? Like, mm-hmm. we were just both super on board with this stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is kind of your character, man. I'm excited to see it. But I, I will say I don't want to see any more. Give me, like a, like, a Cinemax poster. And give me like a like a timer countdown. That's all oh, I need. Okay, because okay. I'm already excited. You mean you mean more of the film? You don't want to see any more of the film? You mean? I yeah, thought, man. I thought you were implying that you didn't want to see any more from the franchise. I'm like, I got some matters, buddy. <laughs> they got. Oh no, no, <laughs> just for this particular instance. I think there's enough to to kind of grab people's interest at this point, mm-hmm. and to hold them on for a bit. So small stuff, like I said, Cinemax poster, countdown timer, uh, maybe like toys and cereals. Like let's get a Michael Meyer figure in like the Rice Krispies, right? Now we're thinking. And, uh, yeah, and we're rocking and rolling, dude. Yeah. This is movie markets itself. Correct. Uh, but I think what the most interesting aspect of it is that um, from the, a lot of the footage that I've seen uh, or a lot of the, the background that we seem to be getting on this is that this movie seems to be taking place inside of Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, which is a throwback to Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2, because obviously that movie took place in a hospital. And I wonder how heavily they're going to lean on that because it feels like every single time that they do this, um, when it comes to Halloween two, uh, they always have it take place in a hospital, even to a certain extent. Even the Rob Zombie one, like had like a dream sequence that took place in a hospital. So uh, I like I like I like how it's kind of come full circle on that regard. You know, we kind of mentioned the uh, yesterday actually that how we were talking about how the zombie writers for the Call of Duty games are really good at like paying homage mm-hmm. and like reinvigorating kind of ideas that were good but now are like past their expiration point and mm-hmm. i think halloween as a franchise brings it around doesn't necessarily execute a perfect 10 every time but mm-hmm. it tries it tries and so i'm super kind of appreciative of that because i liked halloween too it was fun i thought the setting was super creepy and i think it'll be even more creepy this time around yeah it definitely feels claustrophobic we're not out out and about in the burbs anymore we are con- confined to these hallways in this creepy silent for whatever reason hospital and uh, I, I'm in it, man. I'm in. Like we, we've talked about this on end, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I can't, can't fucking believe it's we're gonna have to wait another year to get get a hold of this thing. It's quite depressing. I'm, I am sad, saddened by this because, um, man, fucking COVID, bro. It is what it is. Yeah, right. Yep, it is what it is. Uh, so let's keep it moving. Next up, Mandalorian is back. We are a couple episodes into the season, man. If you ain't watching this shit, bro, you need to do it. John Favreau is doing God's work, straight up, man. It's weird how the Mandalorian is kind of all of the Star Wars fans, like, maybe the one thing they all agree on. Like, this is the shit right now, huh? Correct, yeah. Um, 
like I said, Favreau doing doing God's work. We've had some great homages so far with the uh, with this and this new episode that just dropped this week. Um, if you know, you know, man. God damn, I've never yeah, uh, I've never seen a character look so badass in my life. So, so a quick little shout out to Favreau because one of I. I don't know if you caught it. Well, you you probably didn't because you haven't played the game. But the episode with the crate dragon mm-hmm. and the pearl, yeah, that is literally ripped from Knights of the Old Republic. It is literally like a, like almost a one to one replica of what happened. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Ripped okay. it straight from there in like a good way, and not like a, like he ran out of ideas. But it was a definite like hardcore homage. Like if you played Kotor in two thousand three and you saw that episode of The Mandalorian, you were like, oh wait, hang on, I've seen this before. For sure, for sure, man. And um, just a couple of things. They've uh, introduced some characters that we've seen before. And uh, like I said, doing God's work. I like how Favreau didn't give a fuck of what, about what the uh, the like the the, the new Disney uh, sequel trilogy did. He's like, I don't care what they did. I'm going to tie up my loose ends. I don't give a shit what they got going on on their end. Uh, because he has a vision, a vision led by one man. We've talked about this in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, but... He's got a vision, and people are complaining a little bit where it's kind of like that never-ending side quest kind of a kind of scenario. And yeah, to a certain extent, but um, I'm with it, dude, because they got a character that is, has a whole bunch of charisma, and he has a helmet on the whole majority of the of the the show, you know. And uh, obviously, Baby Yoda sells himself. So, um, man, this is so good. Me and my wife, we get excited every single time. It's time to sit down and watch it. It's just one of our favorite things. And, uh, man, like I said, like you, you mentioned it, man, like no matter what, even if you disliked, uh, the sequel trilogy, which I think you and I would say, uh, fair enough that it was kind of a mixed bag. Um, this Mandalorian thing is just, it's beautiful, man. It's it's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, man. Favreau by the people for the people. Absolutely. Favreau 2024. We are moving along. So, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, I've been really get into Rocky recently. I don't, I don't know if I've talked about it. I've been watching a lot of Rocky recently. But with that being said, Sylvester Stallone joins the, the cast for Suicide Squad. So, he will be in the new Suicide Squad film. Don't know what role. Um, He'll be and, playing Rocky Balboa. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in, bro. He's going to um, beat the shit out of the villains. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and... I don't, like I said, I don't know what role, but if, if Sly's in it, you know, sign me up, man. And uh, I'm actually thinking about maybe the next time we run the podcast doing a whole review of the whole. Rocky entire, and review. Yeah, the whole Rocky and review. Yep. The whole franchise review, uh, including Creed, uh, because I was talking to it with Adriana the other day. I'm like, that story arc, like what Rocky went through from the very first film all the way to Creed 2. It's very sad, actually. Uh, it, yeah. is, it is not a, really a happy story in the long run. A, a man, it's happy if you stop after one. Yeah, exactly. A man who basically lost everything along the way, and you know, life and age and sickness took away everybody that he loves, and Drago uh, took away everybody that he loves, and um, it's kind of a sad story. So I, it is something that I want to get get into, and uh, like I said, I don't know if we'll be prepared for the next show because I do want to do like a, a severe deep dive on this because. Uh, Rocky is just one of my favorite franchises of all time, and uh, I think it deserves that respect. So that might be something that we do. Uh, I don't know if you're into it. If you want to sit down and watch them all, oh, absolutely, and uh, we can have a conversation about it. But uh, so- I actually think that Rocky may be one of the few franchises that there's like buttery smoothness across like all of our takes. I think like all the movies will line up. Yeah, I- I'd probably have to agree with that because I don't know because like this is when we talk about like famous characters throughout cinema. 
you know, um, multiple people have played Batman. Multiple people have played James Bond. You know, multiple people have technically played Indiana Jones because they had a young Indy at some point, right? Multiple people have played Han Solo. We've ne- we've only had one Rocky, only one. And, and now he's a dusty Rocky. Yeah, and uh, I think it's interesting, and I think it's something that is worth examining. So um, we definitely will do that soon. But yeah, Sly joining the Suicide Squad. I've been watching a lot of Expendables recently. I've just been on a Sly kick, I guess. It is what it is. Uh, but yeah, man, so I- I'm definitely into it. Um, mixed feelings about the Suicide Squad in general. We know how that goes. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. But that's some news for that. Absolutely. Let's talk Tom and Jerry. Were you a Tom or were you a Jerry, Jacob? I was a Jerry because I'm a little guy, so I can't help myself. But so you were an asshole. Absolutely. Still are. Hundred percent. Record, but yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so this is something I actually heard zero zero about. I had no idea that they were going to be dropping a Tom and Jerry film. And if you would have told me that, I would have think, well, it's a movie based in Tom and Jerry. But it turns out um, they're actually taking kind of a uh, Roger the Rabbit approach. With this, uh, they got Tom and Jerry in the real world. Um, I guess they decided to go their own separate ways. And, uh, you know, Jerry goes one path. Tom goes down the other. Tom is hired to kill a mouse in a hotel, to hunt a mouse in a hotel. And it turns out that that mouse <laughs> is Jerry. So, um, Chloe Grace Mortz is in this. And uh, sign me up. because Yeah, shit- I-, I love how simple that premise is. And you can already imagine a lot of the shenanigans going on like he walks into the hotel room and just eyes pop out of his head like ah shit here we go yeah, again here we go again exactly yep and it's just it, I, and like i said it's kind of this weird roger rabbit mix because they it's not just tom and jerry that are animated like they have other animated assets in this film and um what wouldn't have guessed that was the route they would have taken with that you know and i think it's kind of unique uh, we don't really get an very many live action and cross animation films, I think, because they're so hard to make, you know. And um, I think it's yeah, because we got Space Jam, Roger Rabbit, and those are the big ones that I can think of. I'm sure there's a couple more. Yeah, but like I said, it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do. It's hard, very hard to pull off. Roger Rabbit is still just one of the greatest movies ever made, just because of how difficult it was. I'm sure. And uh, I I saw it and I'm like, okay, uh, you got take my money because. That's something that I'm interested in. That's something that I'm into. I want to see Tom and Jerry uh, in the real world f- duking it out. So I'm in. Fuck yeah. Yep, I'm in. Uh, let, let me get a Tom, Jerry, Austin Powers crossover. I think that'd be hilarious. What is what? You're so strange. What is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with you, man. We just need an AP4. That's all. Yeah, right. For sure. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you've been uh, talking about the Austin Powers movie for a minute. You need, you need one in your life, huh? Uh, I, I need some more Mike Myers, but not that Mike Myers. Ah, okay, cool, fair enough. Actually, wait, hang on. I got a, I got an extra saucy idea. So we take Halloween. Oh god, we do an AP four cross. <laughs> anyway, moving on to gaming. So we got a pretty big game release that you bought because you always buy them. Correct. Um, talk to me about the new Call of Duty as you do every November. Yep, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is now full. They needed to work on that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so obviously this is the newest jam. Treyarch's uh, series that just continues to go keep on moving and do interesting things. Um, I want to take a kind of uh, point by point here. Uh, let's talk about the campaign real quick. So the campaign uh, features your own, I guess, kind of custom character. Uh, left kind of ambiguous. They don't really give you a whole lot of information about the character that you create. And you go through this adventure that obviously takes place during the 80s. 
All right. Ronald Reagan's involved. Uh, some of the old tried and true members of this team are involved, such as Mason and Woods. Uh, nice. As well as a couple of new people, such as Adler Park, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going through these missions. It is kind of freeform, similar to Black Ops 2, where you could kind of play the game in, um, in kind of loose order. Um, but with that being said, because you, you know, and I know, uh, when you play Call of Duty campaigns, you expect a certain amount of just bang, boom, explosion, high energy moments, which it does have those. Uh, but there is surprisingly some depth to gameplay in the campaign that I think should be applauded. Um, because they do have some straight up, uh, sneaking around uh stealthy missions in this game and I'm not just talking about like gillied up or something like that where you're a sniper I'm talking about you have infiltrated the KGB headquarters and you need to not be discovered uh style of stuff and you can kind of approach the mission in an, any way that you see fit there's a variety of objectives that you have to try to hit and you get them done and if you don't it affects the story all right and or it affects the story in different ways uh similarly to black ops 2 there is a variety of endings um that can uh happen that can occur uh the canon ending i think is a little bit of a cop-out uh just due to the fact that you kind of see it coming uh just due to the fact that uh some characters um weren't as fleshed out as they should have been if that makes sense and um I think what was more interesting was the non-canon ending where it's just, just the most dark, scary, <laughs> you know, grim end of the world shit. Yeah. Grim end of the world kind of kind of a situation, which obviously just doesn't work with the canon uh, that has already been established with this, uh, the Black Ops franchise. Uh, just due to the fact that this takes place between Black Ops one and two, you know, so, you know, to a certain extent, certain people have to survive because you saw them already. You know what I mean? So, uh yeah, I think it's it's kind of an interesting take. Uh, I was trying to poke holes at the, the plot a little bit just because I wanted to see if there were holes to be had. Um, not a lot. I, I give them credit for trying to, their best to tie up some of the loose hanging points from previous Black Ops games. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, and I think it's, it, it, at the very least, it takes more of a um, similar to what Modern Warfare did with you know the, their most recent game. It took more of a psychological approach and how war can affect people. And how the Cold War itself was very tense and how uh, allegiances are a little bit blurred, you know. So um, I think overall, I think they did a pretty good job with it. My biggest complaint is the length of the campaign. It is not very long at all. If you are flying through missions and not doing any any of the objective stuff or the, the side stuff, side quest stuff, uh, you could probably get it done in like three hours. So, oh, wow. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that that is very, very short. Now, with that That's being... Like- Big red one. That might be shorter than big yeah, red one. Yeah, probably. Uh, now, the, the the only reason why I don't want to give them too much flack for is because Treyarch was not next in the rotation. They were not supposed to be here right now. This was supposed to be Sledgehammer's game. And obviously, they got pulled. They got yanked for that. So, um, I don't want to give them too much shit because they did get rushed last minute, I am sure. All right. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But um, I think they could have done a little bit more tightening up on some of the story aspects, but overall I would think that they did a pretty good job with that part of the game. Next up, um, multiplayer. It is black ops, the original black ops. That that's what I feel like. Um, in a good way or in a bad way? 
Uh, in, in a way that it's familiar, and not just because it's typical the typical Call of Duty formula, but because it just it feels like Black Ops to me. Um, but again, there are some things that I, I don't think work. Um, I'm not particularly fond of the kill streak system and how that works. Uh, I know that was something that we talked about during the beta. I was not crazy about it then. I'm not particularly crazy about it now. I just wish that they would kind of keep it simple, stupid in that regard. You know what I mean? Because um, they want to make sure that they limited amount of kill streak spam that there exists in the game. But I feel like there's still plenty of that to go around. Um, the weapons are kind of boring in the multiplayer. Um, and I think it's a little bit too. It takes a little bit too long to level them up. And uh, there's just sometimes the game just doesn't. I, I feel like there's situations very often in this game where I should have a dude dead, and he's not, and he like runs away, and then I turn the corner, and then him and his buddies shoot me in the face. I think I feel like that happens a lot more in this game than it has in any other previous Call of Duty game. Uh, okay, so that's a lot more turnarounds and yeah, bullshit. Yeah, I think that there's a, a dose, a healthy dose of bullshit. In this game, and Call of Duty naturally comes with that anyways, but um, this one in particular, there's some very irking, angering moments that I've had so far uh, that I would probably say I didn't have as many of those moments in Modern Warfare when it dropped. Um, but we'll wait and see. Um, there is a an extreme uh, drought on the map count. There's only eight multiplayer maps, and again... Uh, I guess we could kind of blame that on them being rushed to finish. Uh, but with kind of the way things have changed around and how they release content now, uh, I think a lot of that could be forgiven too, you know, because they think they, they will be dropping maps free moving forward. Uh, they've already done Newtown. Newtown's already out. Um, and I, I, heard, I think I heard Firing Range and Jungle and Summit are also supposed to be coming. So that increases it to 12 on top of whatever new stuff that they have coming along with it. Um, multiplayer. Eh, uh, not in love with it, but I don't hate it either. Uh, I just wish that uh, some of we can cut out some of the bullshit deaths. I think that's uh, that's something that I would want, you know. Um, so there's that aspect of that. Moving along, um, zombies. Now, if they have stepped up the gameplay, some or they have stepped up the bar in one particular facet of this game, it is the zombies mode. Now, I am not the biggest zombie player historically. Uh, like I, I not not that I dislike it or anything like that. It's just it's not my thing, you know. Uh, I hop in from time to time, shoot some zombies with some friends, and move along. But I've actually caught myself playing zombies on my own, which is something that I don't normally do. Uh, nice. Just, yeah, I was actually playing by myself today, and it is exhilarating. Um, what they have done, they made it really hard. Uh, first off, because of some of the boss zombies that they've included, hard in a good way, challenging in a good way, uh, challenging in the spinning multiple plates at the same time kind of way. And uh, you got that action going. I love what they've done with the perk system, how they've changed that around and made it more um, where you can have everything, but it, it comes with a price. Uh, I like the pack-a-punch system. They've changed that up a little bit as well. Um, I love the map. I just love... See, the thing about like the, the, the zombies story arc, and like I said, I don't necessarily follow along 100%, but just the, like, the, the world that it creates, uh, it feels lived in. You know, it feels like it could actually kind of happen in some strange universe. And um, just some of the way they design their levels and the way they make everything look is just gorgeous. Like, look at Kino as an example. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
it's iconic just, at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's just iconic. Like a lot of these zombies maps are iconic. Moon and uh, Extension, like it's just the way it looks, it's just visually stunning. And um, I'm in with that, man. I, I really do enjoy zombies. Like I said, I'm not the type of guy to normally play zombies, but I've played it on stream a lot recently with uh, with the team. So uh, really, zombies they've done such a great job. I love the fact that they took a old map, an older map, the OG map, the oldest map, and have kind of expanded on it. And it's it kind of leaves that that level of intrigue. You're like, wow, this was on top. I was on top of this the whole entire time. You know what I mean? And it's kind of cool, you know? And um, have like this whole different branching story arc. Uh, what Obviously, everything takes place in the same world. And canon is canon, as they said in the game. Uh, or in the you know all the pre, pre-release stuff. They mentioned that as canon is canon. But um, obviously, from the decisions made along the way, you feel the impact of the... The, the decisions the characters made and um i just like it i love zombies i really do man uh, if i could recommend one aspect that they said okay what well, if you could only play one aspect of this game i would pick zombies and wow that, okay and that's completely new for me i'm not the type of guy to do that so the zombies is extremely well done it's a, a hell of a lot of fun and uh i love it zombies is absolutely excellent so overall i would say i'm enjoying my experience with the new black ops games i don't know the new black ops game i don't know if that's just my bias. You know, I'm a Treyarch guy. I love all the Black Ops games. I love the story. I love the characters. All of them. Uh, from every aspect of the game, from the zombies to the, mo- the campaign. So I don't know if I'm just giving it um, the benefit of the doubt more than I probably should. But, um, you know, solid game. I'm giving it a B for now. It, it could it could turn into an A after time. Because I think you and I both agree that Modern Warfare became an A after a while. And, yeah, uh, that, that was my follow-up question, is that now what is the longevity and the lifespan of this game? I think it really depends on what they're planning on doing. Because uh, there's one aspect of this game that hasn't been dropped yet, and that's the Warzone aspect of it. Because uh, I, I think there's a lot of questions to be had about the war, the Warzone aspect of what how it's going to be integrated with the new game. Like, we don't even know if we're getting a new map. Like, we don't know much about it at all. And supposedly it's supposed to be coming within the next couple of weeks or so. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. And obviously Warzone, I think definitely we could all agree, uh, helped the life helped the lifespan of the previous game. And um, I'm just interested to see what's going to happen with the next. Cool beans. Um, so some more Cyberpunk 2077 news. Um, it's the same news as all the previous times it's been on this podcast. It's delayed again. But <laughs> um, I actually found a pretty fun comment detailing all the things that have happened since Cyberpunk was announced. Okay. Are you ready? Can you do me a favor and just turn back the gain just a little bit? Turn up the gain? Turn yes, back. Turn, turn back the gain. Turn back the gain. You're just starting. Turning back to the gain. Better. All right. So, um, do you want to know the day the teaser trailer dropped, or do you not want me to mention it until the end? Uh, up to you. How do you best present this? I'll save it for the end, so let's run through the things that have happened since the teaser dropped for this game. Two Resident Evil remakes, two The Last of Us, two Rockstar Open World games, two Dark Souls, three Gears of Wars, 11 Call of Duties, nine Assassin's Creeds, two God's Wars, two Uncharted's, two Devil May Cry's, three Watch Dogs, uh, one The Last Guardian, Baldur's Gate 3 launched, Diablo 4 has been announced, Kingdom Hearts has a prologue, uh, two fallouts, four battlefields, two World Cups, one entire Star Wars trilogy. Crash came back with a remastered trilogy, one a racing spinoff, and a mainline sequel, six Yakuza's, 
five JoJo animations, two Popes, two Spider-Man reboots in, the- in theaters, three Avenger movies, the death of the Wii U and the birth of the Switch, the launch of the PlayStation 4 and 5, the Xbox One and Xbox Series launch, Stadia's birth and future death. <laughs> All of that has happened. When was the Since. when was the original teaser dropped for this? January tenth, two thousand thirteen. Get the fuck out of here! Has it really been that long? Yep, seven years. Holy shit! Shit! At this point, they're gonna have to call it Cyberpunk twenty one seventy seven. Jesus Christ! Oh bless, that's fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Because at this rate, twenty seventy seven, it's gonna be like oh this year. Yeah the the one uh, the one that fucked me up was the uh, eleven Call of Duties. I was like, oh D- shit! Jesus Christ! That's wild, bro. Yep. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll drop this year. Maybe not. We'll see. Man. Well, I feel like we're getting more news on it, like how the game actually works, <laughs> you know, because like it's yeah. kind of, it's going to be kind of this kind of this name that has been floating around. Everybody's like, oh, it looks cool. Sounds cool. But what's it about? And I feel like at least we're getting what it's about these days, at least. So it's a bit uh, ethereal in nature at the moment. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Wow. Um I like that. That was a, that was that was funny. What were you doing seven years ago, Gabe? Seven years ago? Yeah. How old were I you? I was in high school. You were in high school. I was seventeen, so I was probably a junior. Okay. Starting my junior year. Yeah, sounds about right. Wow. So Pompadour was still happening. Cool. I don't know about cool, but yeah. Hey man, it was your it was your uh, fashion sense. It was uh, it was a warning sign. Correct. It was like a totem, like a death totem, right? Yeah. Seven years ago, I was 20, and I had only been dating Adriana for like two years at that point. Oh, nice. Think about that. So um, just for reference, for those people who haven't known me that long, my pompadour worked like the uh, new Apex operator where I could drop it, and if you killed me in the pit, I would respawn by the (laughs) pompadour. (laughs) Man, I've been playing a lot of Apex recently, bro. Yeah, sorry about that. No, I actually, bro, like, in all honesty, like, you and I were, like, huge, huge uh, supporters of Apex when it first dropped that I think both of us kind of fell off. And uh, with that being said, I've been playing a lot with it, obviously, on stream and stuff. Man, that shit's a... I'm having a blast. Now, I haven't been getting a whole lot of wins. I blame that on Ish. But, uh... uh, Yeah, man, I'm having having a blast. I accidentally unlocked a character that I fell in love with, so... I'm I'm ready, bro. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of funny, Gabe. I like that. Uh, so speaking of kind of like next generation and moving forward with gaming, the consoles have subsequently dropped both of them, um, and they've been bricking <laughs> both of them. Now, obviously, you guys have probably seen that uh, famous video of the Xbox One Series X One Three Thousand Castlevania Four uh, version of the Xbox, whatever the fuck they're calling it these days. Uh, smoking apparently that was fake so fair enough but bro it's not even 21 yet it can't be smoking nice um <laughs> uh they're also i see saw that it was grinding disc uh playstations have been shutting down at random uh and they wanted us to believe that they these things were not rushed to production Hmm. Kind of and f- what what did i tell you what was one of the one of, one of the main reasons why i told you i'm not getting a next gen on launch we were gonna wait and see the all the little kinks get worked out. Yep. And I would say consoles bricking 
<laughs> it's a little bit more than a kink. Yeah, because like when you say kinks, I think like maybe some software issues and maybe some UI ch- you know fixes and some setting changes and stuff like that. Like, but conscious straight up not turning back on, I think it's a little bit more of a, a severe issue. You know, so um, yeah. It's kind of made me kind of glad I haven't been able to get a hold of one. Hasn't stopped me from trying, but uh, you know, um, here we are. And you can teach a man to fish, but you cannot teach a fish to man. That's ex- for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, kind of interesting, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. Again, I don't have one, so I don't have a review for you, which upsets me to a certain extent. Uh, because I was really looking forward to doing that on the damn thing, and maybe didn't. Yeah, um, quick little tidbit on that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sony did announce that they are releasing more consoles before the end of the year, and to get in touch with your local retailers and stuff like that. So more are on the way. Um, I think yeah, with time, I, <laughs> I think with time, um, it's going to be easier to buy one, obviously. But I think by the time like February, March rolls around, you could probably like walk into a Walmart, Best Buy, GameStop, whatever the fuck, and probably scoop one up, no problem. Yeah. The, the hype kind of dies down. I'm going to, yeah, I'm probably going to wait to the point where it is easy to just walk in and. Wait till they start selling bundles. Yeah, well, they already got, like, GameStop got bundles in, out and stuff with it, like, with their own shit. But, um, yeah, well, I'm going to wait. I think um, I'm trying to figure out, like, what game, because that's, like, the big thing. The reason why I'm not, like, totally devastated by it is because they don't have any games. Yeah, what the fuck are you going to play on it? They don't have, I'm going to play PlayStation 4 games. I already have a PlayStation. You know what I mean? Like, You have two of them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, That's the only reason why I'm not freaking out because I feel like a lot of the games that they have at launch are, weren't exactly world beaters. And I know Spider-Man Miles Morales is dope, but it's really just an expansion of... The, Spider-Man. Yeah, the Spider-Man game that already exists. So, <laughs> Oh, sorry. So, um, you know, we'll see. But if, like, if God of War, as an example, dropped with it, I'd be pretty fucking upset. But um, all the games that exist currently are basically exist on current gen. So it's not the end of the world, but uh, it is what it is, you know? I will tell, my friends. I will tell. Absolutely. Next, next thing, apparently, um, something out of the James Bond camp when it comes to gaming. gaming they are dropping a J- new James Bond game out there. Uh, it's just been announced. It's called Project 007 at the moment. I imagine. So it's actually a uh, racing game. <laughs> And all the movies get their own. No, don't fucking listen yeah. to me. No, don't do that. Uh, but I'm kind because of, from what I understand, it's not it's not like an FPS game. Like it's supposed to be like a narrative based game where you play as James Bond, like a Telltale game. I, no, not like that. But like more of I'm hoping maybe something along the lines of like a, maybe like a Splinter Cell. Okay, but, I could fuck with like that. a Splinter Cell Hitman kind of a situation. Uh, yeah, just don't have it be as dog shit as the hitman games well people well well, hold on i don't know people i know people that like those games so uh, i mean I I, th- it has good bones for sure yeah and no fucking skin i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean over my friend i guess yeah uh it is now krampus season yeah <laughs> but yeah so that, that's what i'm hearing that it's more narrative based and uh gonna have its own story and stuff which is like a first because i think all of the James Bonds we've got games we've gotten since like the N64 days have all been like movie spinoffs you know even like the most famous James Bond game GoldenEye was just a movie spinoff spinoff or a moody you know a moody adaptation of a game so um, I think that's kind of interesting I, like I said I think the only one we haven't gotten was a GameCube game that I can't remember like Rogue Rogue Agent or whatever the fuck it was called 
Um, but most of them have been based on just the movies that exist. So I'm interested, man. Sign me up. Um, because we, I think we could use a cool espionage spy 007 game. I think it'd be, I'd be kind of cool. I think it's just me really wanting to have another Splinter Cell. I think that's, I think that's really all it is. Yeah, uh, you know, Ubisoft kind of uh, awakened the beast by bringing Sam Fisher back to Rainbow Six. Yeah, and it, now we're like, well, you can do that, but you can't do <laughs> the Splinter Cell. I, th- I think the, that's the funny thing about it. It's like, well, this will tie them over. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> people, it's just proof. Yeah, it's just you pr- can do it, motherfucker. And it's just pissing people off. They're like, uh, so you can put them in siege, but you can't put them. In, you know, you can't make a new one. Like, come on, bro. Fuck. Like, I don't just, even need a new one. Just give me a Chaos Theory remake. Yeah, man, just something, bro. Give me the trilogy, an HD trilogy. That's what I'm saying, bro. Like, it's such a layup for them. And we've talked about this in the past, but. Like you said, it is the easiest sixty dollars I will ever spend. For for sure, man. Like people forget about how how awesome those games were, and uh, how groundbreaking they were for the time. Because even like even a game like Metal Gear had its moments where it was like straight up actiony, and I guess eventually Splinter Cell did kind of become that too. But Splinter Cell was like all about sneaking around and shit. So especially in like the first one, man. Yeah. So many hours into that thing. Correct. It it, it was pretty. It was pretty. Do you get, do you remember the ads that they used to have for the phone? version of it it was like a they had, they had like a um like a special gaming quote-unquote phone that you would like slide it up and it would come like a control like a controller in your hand and it would oh is that the sony xperia thing something like that where they had like a version like like, like a gaming phone situation with it and uh, this was like around the same time like where matrix was like really hot and like those weird cool looking phones that slide like we're like really cool. I don't know, but I don't know what brought that up. But it, it had a wave of nostalgia that kind of rode over me right there. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, um, we'll see what happens with this project 07. I will definitely be keeping a very close eye on it. All right, good stuff. Let's talk music news and reviews. We got a couple big ones for you, but uh, this isn't on the agenda. I do kind of want to share my uh, the chariot story mm-hmm. on here really quick because I sure. think it's a fun little story. Um, Absolutely. So as you know, you may know. If you listen to this podcast, I love a band called The Chariot from Douglasville, Georgia. Um, so Black Friday rolls around. Um, I had not planned on going out. The girlfriend went to work. I kind of hung around the house. I was like, okay, I need to grab some gas. So I was tanking up, and then it hit me. It hit me like a dump truck full of dildos. I started calling all the record stores in a 50-mile radius. And... To see if they had the 10-year anniversary pressing Long Live, which is my favorite album by The Chariot, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like 34 stores down the list. Some of them don't exist anymore. Some of them are like, who the fuck is this band? And I'm just <laughs> like, I, you know, like this is my sign, right? I'm just not going to, it's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, fine, I guess I shall pay the resell fee on ebay afterwards i was prepared for that right and then i call one place and they're like yes we have long live by the chariot we have two copies but you are the second person to call about it so you must hurry and so i hopped into the car and flew down the highway mm-hmm. bumping long live by the chariot of course nice and um yeah dude so i was screaming along uh you know that thing that happens when you stand up too fast and your eyes go black yes I'm talking like pushing my vocal cords like that on the highway, right? Oh, okay, okay. So that was fun. And so I'm like, I'm like, oh man, like I need this, I need this, right? Like I fucking drove an hour out to this record store to get this fucking album, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like 500 feet from the storm. I'm like, like half a block from the turn, right? You know, and then I get caught by a train. Oh man. 
So I'm freaking the fuck out. You know, I'm waiting for this bitch to pass on by because it's not a metro train. It's a cargo train, right? At, like every, at least 25 minutes. Yeah, and then like all of the bad decisions that I've made in my life have accumulated in that train. So I'm staring at them like, okay, I remember this one. I remember that <laughs> one. There's like a moment of like repentance, right? Sure. And the train train stops, whip around the street, park the car. And at the same time, I get out of my car. Some greasy-looking dude in a beanie hops out. And I'm like, I know what this dude is after. <laughs> I know why you're here, Shraggy. And so he puts on his mask. I put on my mask, and I fucking hop, skip, and jump into the store. And the dude's like, what up, guys? Blah, blah, blah. Record store day stuff is over here, right? And I mm-hmm. see it. I see the faint holographic glimmer from the album, and I snatch it. And the dude who walked in behind me, greasy beanie dude, goes, oh, man. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the good news is... The good news is that he was the other guy, so there's still both copies left, right? So <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, thank God I got this fucking thing. You were the, the two people on this planet searching for that. <laughs> yeah, the only two people left that still listen to The Chariot arrived at the same store in Wheaton, Illinois. So strange. Within seconds of each other. That's so fucking weird. They, literally, they had only two copies, and both of us pull up. What are the odds the of that? I, it worked out beautifully, honestly. I'm not upset. Yeah, you guys had both. You guys had a happy ending for that. Yeah, man. He was like, "Oh, good shit, dude." I was like, "Yeah, long live, brother, long live." And uh, so, just a cool little thing. They have two bonus tracks at the end of it. They have a like a twelve-page black and white photo booklet with all the lyrics on it and stuff. There's this cool like holographic sleeve that's like an alternate art for the cover. Okay. Uh, with the chariot skull on it, I'm just super pleased. I paid twenty six bucks for this, whereas I would have probably paid like eighty bucks. But my favorite, my favorite, I want to hear the, the the other dude's version of this story. He's like, yeah, so I pulled up right, and this dude who looked like a fucking vampire came out of a beamer. <laughs> you know, oh, I, mean? I was wearing a, I was wearing a wig too. No, so. you were not. I was wearing a wig, dude. You better not have been wearing a wig. <laughs> Oh, oh but so that's my that's my chariot story because uh because I had to, right? If not me then who? That's correct. Yeah, so uh, me and Adrian have been making comments about how you dress recently. She's like, What's going on with him? Oh I'm great, like, here we go. I'm like what's going on with him these days? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like he's dressed like a fucking vampire. <laughs> what outfit in particular was she getting at? I don't I don't know. Um but I, I confirmed the fact that you look like a vampire due to the ensemble that you were yesterday. So I'm like, that's kinda, yesterday. That was kind of. I vampire. wore a cowhide jacket. I looked like a cowboy. Yeah, but you had like sunglasses and the dangly earring, and it's like, yeah, it's a little. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a all natural, or no, I'm a. You can't even say vegetarian. I was trying to get at some weird like food dietary restriction for vampires, but cows are still meat. Correct. I failed and fumbled. But, um, I mean, hey, man, that's what happens when you grow up on Viva La Bam and him and all that good stuff. I, I mean, know. I did too, man, but I don't I don't know if I could pull off the vampire thing. I don't it's think, the tallness, dude. Yeah, you got to be six foot. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't think I'm sl- slim enough. I don't think I'm tall enough to pull off that. So I do more of like a tree trunk kind of a situation. Tree trunk situation? <laughs> Just stay, stay low to the ground and hopefully nobody runs into me. <laughs> yeah, and if you, if you tap it just right, you'll get sap seeping out. Exactly. Anyways. Anyway, oh, good stuff. Um, so uh, we got a career in review today. Yeah. And we, I don't want to say we discussed it. We kind of, um, we crossed brushes a little bit about how we felt about doing this review. Sure. Um, so before we deep dive into the albums and eventually start bickering like an old married couple, I just want to say that Chiodos. Oh, man, here we go. Is one of those bands that could have been a great chip name. 
and that's all. What? Yeah, Chiodos, like chips. Chiodos chips. Okay. So all right, your, let's. What's your fucking problem? What are you with? What? What's your problem? I don't know. All right. Well, we'll start. We'll all right. So, uh, 2003, the Heartless control everything. Yep. Um, <laughs> it was. It was. It was not a bad first release. There was definitely a lot of roughness around the edges. When I'm talking about roughness around the edges, I'm thinking like a saw blade, right? Where if you like pick it up wrong or if you grab it too hard, you're like, ow. Um, that being said, uh, I'm being very kind of like lenient here. Because it's like uh, a first. It was 2003. Yeah. And it was an emerging subgenre of music. And I was actually watching a, a Mayhem documentary. And this this is relevant, I promise. But in the 80s, when they recorded one of their albums, um, they didn't the the producer didn't mix it because he literally had no idea how to capture all this stuff and translate it right and i feel like there's a lot to be said about new and emerging waves subgenres shit like that um i don't totally hate the heartless control everything but it's one of those things where you're like this is probably the first thing they ever did when they were really young and that's okay because it was it was a good attempt. I'm not upset at him for it. You, you got to put something out, right? Yeah, so I, I'd agree with you on that. I, I'm not going to care put too much weight into this basket just due to the fact, like you said, it was obviously when they were very young. I mean, the, even the best bands in the world have a funny first release or two because this is more like EP demo kind of kind of territory, you know? Because this is – okay, so All's Well, Ends Well was when they were wrapping up high school. They were about 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is two years prior, so they were like – freshman sophomores yeah so we can't give them too much flack i mean because bands change obviously i mean go take a listen to early under oath and tell me that you know because they were like borderline black go take a listen to any band that's been on the scene and still active for 10 to 15 years correct it's it's it's, you know you're gonna get certain uh uh it's called growth, and yeah, we, we encourage that you know. on this podcast for sure, for sure. So, I, like I said, I'm not going to put too much weight on it. I, I didn't listen to it very much uh, growing up, and uh, I did not even hear of the album until, or this EP, I guess, until after the fact. So, until you did the deep dive, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, I knew they existed and stuff, but I just never really got to it because uh, gotcha. it wasn't very important. Because, like I said, I mean, there's a certain thing to. Uh, I don't want to hold. That this against them just due to the fact that it was such a long time ago and it wasn't their debut album, so to speak. Uh, their debut didn't really come until All's Well That Ends Well. So, um, you know, yeah, I, so let's dive into that one. Yeah. Unless you got some closing comments no. on the first. Uh, no, let's go. The debut. Okay. No, so, All's Well Ends Well debuted in 2005. It broke a lot of billboard charts and Chiodas was pretty much catapulted into fame. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of being one of the forerunners of this sound. Yeah. You can see their influence in a lot of bands like Scary Kids, Scaring Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? I'm fucking... Any, any band that had a high-pitched vocalist after 2005 was inspired by this. Yeah, absolutely. Because if Craig Owens can do it, I can do it, right? A, a Skylight Drive, all, all those bands. Oh, uh, yes. Like How can I forget like, a Skylight Drive? Um, okay, so before we talk about album content, I do want to say... That Chiodos is really good at making long fucking albums. Because <laughs> I think this thing is like 55 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. 53, I believe. 53. Yeah, that's insane. Because I feel like one of the most common complaints we have about albums, EPs, stuff well, like that, is that it's like, dude, it's 22 minutes. Yeah. Like, Sanction is gnarly, man. But come on, 22 minutes. Like, I can't even finish fucking in 22 minutes, you know? Um, 
Chiodo's kind of, and they're not like like I said, they're not the first band to do it. Pink Floyd has long ass albums and stuff, but mm-hmm. in this scene, they made two things very prevalent, and one of them was long fucking albums with like fun exchanges in between songs. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that they're one of the better bands that did the long mm-hmm. sceny names. Like mm-hmm. there's no Penguin Alaska. The words mm-hmm. the words best friend become redefined. Baby, you wouldn't last a minute on the creek. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk like iconic? long ass song title names you're gonna bring up Chiodos, you're gonna bring up old ring of the horizon and you're gonna bring up fallout boy like those are the yeah. the big three you know correct um that being said what did you think about this album so um the thing about this album in particular and uh full transparency when i first discovered Chiodos, this was the album that had just dropped and i did not like it very much there was some very uh very good highlight tracks uh, on the album, uh, you know the ones that are the singles, "Where's Best Friend," "Come Redefine," "Baby," "Little Miss Man on Creek." Those songs, uh, to me, it just feels like there's a heavy level of unbalance between the songs that weren't singles versus the ones that were. Um, it was very experimental, very, very strange, very weird, um, and especially with some of the the rawness of the vocals. Um, I think it's this is a band, especially with that first album, that you could tell had a tremendous amount of musical talent, but it was very raw and very unrefined. And um, to me, to a certain extent, uh, it felt like they were kind of just throwing stuff up there just to kind of be weird and avant-garde and to a certain extent. And to me, like Craig, because people talk so highly about Craig, Craig's vocals, uh, this album, I don't see it at all. Um, he uh, he I'll, is I'll very loose. Right. Okay. Because I, I think I think this is where the, like, the, the first of the fissures is going to start. Um, if, let's equate this like this. If. Heartless is trying something for the very first time, right? Like your buddy takes you to like your boxing class and he's like, yeah, man, like you just try it, right? If you like it, you like it. If you don't, never come back, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that all's well, ends well is the, the beginning portion where you pay your monthly due. You start coming in maybe once or twice a week before work, before school, whatever it is. And you're slowly starting to get into it. Mm-hmm. You don't quite got that bob and weave yet. Your form is still super sloppy, but there's something. And uh, that, that something is a kind of a commitment to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what Oswald that ends well does. It's a commitment to Chiodos as a brand mm-hmm. because we see a lot of a lot of themes and a lot of kind of stuff from this album in literally the rest of their fucking discography. Correct. Yeah. For sure, uh, especially when it comes to some of the imagery and like some of the things that they like some of the routes they decided to go with with hard things like looks and, and a sound to a certain extent. Because like I said, the the highlight tracks are very very well done and uh, they sound very very good and they're very beautiful and cinematic in certain ways. And um, the ones that aren't aren't you know they're just kind of weird. Uh, it almost sounds like a rip off Taking Back Sunday, you know. Uh, but just n- not nearly as talented in a certain in a certain extent when it comes to those guys and it was Chiodos doing TBS yeah it was just not, it was TBS doing TBS yeah it was more of it was just a strange a strange amalgamation of songs uh, and like I said when I first listened to this the band I didn't really like it because I'm like sure they have a couple of good songs but overall the vocals are really extremely whiny um, and just some of the quirkiness like you said kind of the funny titles I, it was almost like they were being overly cute. You know what I mean? Like they were trying to be funny and not be a band. And it kind of took it. It was very hard at the time because I was there uh, to take that seriously. You know, 
And um, they, they obviously they blew up. They got really, really popular. You know, they started touring with big bands and stuff like that. Like Lincoln Park had a tour with them for crying out loud. Um, but for me, uh, and all the Warp tours, with, oh, yeah, and then a tour with Devil Wears Prada, who yep. was massive around the same time. Correct. And um, you know, um, I'm not crazy about this first album, and I know that's kind of blasphemy when it comes to like the purest Chiodo fans on the planet. Like they love, love this album. Say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I am not in that camp. So. Um, Here's my take. Um, I will agree with you that the highs are extremely high on this album, mm-hmm. and they're kind of they're kind of blinding in mm-hmm. a sense, right? Correct. But yeah. I don't particularly think the lows are all that garbage. I just think a lot of them are average, or maybe just slightly above average. But a lot of these song titles, <laughs> I only remember for the weird, quirky song mm-hmm. titles. I will give you that mm-hmm. toss up kind of there, where it's cute sake for being cute sake. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like this album is equated to. When you're making a fun Here we go. little headpiece for an occasion or a costume or something, and the hot glue is kind of holding stuff up, but you can tell the pieces and the decorations that are the center point, that are the focus, that are very well retained, mm-hmm. whereas some of the smaller bedazzled rhinestones or leaves or whatever the fuck are kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're still attached. And it's still um, character. I, yeah, and there's still character. I, I think as, as an early album, Right, because because this this is their first album, mm-hmm. truly. Right, Correct. that was like mm-hmm. a proper album. Album. I I don't hate it. Um, it, it's one of those things where if you're doing a discography or if you're doing like a where do I start with Chiodos? There's gonna be three, four, five songs that are like a necessity. Sure, an absolute necessity from this for sure. Um, and then in 2008, three years later, um, we got Bone Palace Ballet Grand Coda. Um. <laughs> Can I say something about Craig Owens? Go ahead. All right. He's a talented man. Oh, here we go. But he does this weird thing. You know how when Aaron Black fires off his revolvers, they, like, bounce around inside in the X-ray move? Mm-hmm. That's Craig Owens' voice. He rattles my fucking sternum or my my lady antebellum, my fucking <laughs> some, something inside of my head, and I just got to put it down. And I hate to say it. I got halfway through this album. I had to put it down for a little bit. And kind of clear my head and come back to it. Interesting. Something about Bone Palace Ballet. Okay, don't get me wrong. It's a great album. And if you want to talk about good fucking production, mm-hmm. th- this is like one of those albums where, like, yo, dude, if you want to learn how to produce early 2010s ish and make it sound both good and fun and lively, and all the instruments are clear and you can separate the sounds really nicely, and you can almost even tell what some of the effect pedals are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is like a prime time example. The production is lovely, but something about. Craig Owen's inflection or just the key he was singing in this album, it like rattled me and I had to put the headphones down for a little bit. Really? Yeah, right around uh and then the liver screamed help. Okay. So halfway mark, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. What are there? Sixteen tracks, fifteen? Uh depends what version you listen to because there's like a version. So there's that fourteen has... not including no, there's thirteen. Thirteen. Not including the acoustic last two. So yeah, just about halfway through the album. I had to put it down. Okay. For about an hour before I picked it back up. Okay, do you can you quantify that? Like, do you do you know exactly what the issue is? I I, I think it's me, and I'll be honest here because I'm trying to be with, with these career and reviews. Obviously, we're going to eventually touch on favorite albums or mm-hmm. albums that we both really care about. I think it's me, man. I think something about Chiodos, especially this album and myself. I don't find myself craving this album, or honestly, most of the singles off of it. If, if we're just being like truly honest here, so, but that being said. There's a lot of musicianship. Quick, quick, quick question then. Uh, yeah. When, when we did the March Madness tournament, how did it make it so far with you? 
previously? Um, because, like I said, uh, objectively, it's a phenomenal album. Okay, fair enough. Objectively, because um, th- that's just the thing, right? Where I come in, I, I-, I want to lay down the facts, the um, the highlights and this and that. But at the end of the day, Chiodos isn't a band that I bump. And in fact, it's a band that I've managed to avoid for the past 10 years since Bone Palace Ballet. Sure, sure. So that that's just my, my thoughts on Chiodos as a band. But you got to give them credit where credit's due. Now, my, my, the thing that I find funny about that is because I feel like you didn't have that reaction with the first album, and he was way more out of control with the first album I, than he was with the second album. And, and you know what, man? Maybe, maybe that's what uh, maybe that's what Chiodos needed, a little less refinement. You think so? Um, Craig Owens is one of those characters, man. He's one of those characters. He's a great. He's one of the like A-tier vocalists mm-hmm. in the scene, right? There's mm-hmm. no way around that. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things, man, where you have this prettied up by the rules player, and then you have kind of young Craig Owens, who's a loose cannon. And that weird experimental shit, like in All's Well That Ends Well, and like a good chunk of Illuminatio, I fuck with heavy. Well, well, Illuminatio wasn't even Craig, so. Oh, yeah, you're right, because that's the two and a half year gap yeah. where he wasn't there. Yeah, it was, it was um, Brandon, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Um, but maybe maybe Chiodos as as a brand and as a hmm. band need the loose cannon interesting in my opinion. interesting uh so yeah i i think very highly of bone palace ballet this is when i hopped on and was like okay i'm in uh just due to the fact that they have some massive massive bangers like the undertaker's thirst for revenge is unquenchable like that that song fucking just rips it rips hard yeah, if i cut my hair hawaii will sink absolute banger yep uh it's a progression of a cannibal uses for it just just rips a lot of these songs just rip and uh this is like when i when i signed on now th- at this point uh, the biggest issue that I've always had with Chiodos is Craig, and uh, I felt like at this point, at least he kind—I of, I felt like he kind of found his yeah, ra- his shit together. Yeah, he found his range. Like he wasn't so wild and out of control, and I could work with that. Um, and this, like, he found the pocket. That—that's why I like this album so much uh, because I always liked like the theming of it and like the like the big epic sounds. And like feels like I feels like in this particular album, like they found their sound. And they weren't so much experimenting. Like they they look took a good hard look at what they did. It was all all's well that ends well. And they're like, okay, these really big, kind of massive cinematic songs they do very well for us. Let's try to make an album full of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, they did that, and you know, with mixed results because not every song is a hit on here, but we do have some good ones, you know. And um, and. I think they really knocked it out of the park with this one. This is one of probably one of my favorite top twenty albums of all time. Uh, oh wow! It's probably okay. near, it's probably near the bottom of that list, but it's up like there. Eighteen ish. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, to a certain extent, because we're going to talk about the next album in a minute. I like this album. I probably like that album more than the one after. But uh, I do enjoy a lot of tracks on here. And at this point, I wasn't pulling out of my hair because Craig wasn't so goddamn wild. So um, I think it's funny that we like Chiodos for completely opposite reasons. So strange. Because <laughs> Craig is kind of the main attraction here. We're Correct. Being honest, right? Correct, yes. Um, and speaking about Craig being the main attraction, mm-hmm. um, he left. They kicked him for about two and a half years. Correct. And then Illuminatio happened. Um, the first thing I want to say about Illuminatio as a, um, I don't want to call it production, but as a feel of like the sonic resonance of this album, I love it so much because it's like you're in this like, very um, architecturally open space, mm-hmm. but it's still enclosed. So you get that nice like warmth and like the reverb of the sound on it. Dude, <laughs> Illuminatio just does such a nice fucking job of like this pseudo openness. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like I... almost like you're watching a set at like the Aragon. Correct. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, the thing that I think is most interesting here is because this came out around the same time that the zombie EP came out, I believe. And there was this level of um, just kind of this wave of kind of horror themed um, projects that kind of took it over the scene. And this kind of fills that a little bit because there's some like borderline horror songs. On this album, uh, you have songs, yeah, like uh, "Love Is a Cat from Hell," "Love Is a Cat from Hell," "Modern Wolf Hair," uh, you know, the, "Shadow Volcano Man," the, which fun fact, um, is, Craig yeah. wrote and they renamed. Correct, and the, he did his own version of it on his own project. So those who stay together, stay together. Yeah, like th- there's like a horror theme to this, and I kind of, I kind of like it. It's kind of a, a, a weird feel, and uh, this is when like a lot of people, a lot of those Craig uh, purists, really kind of ruin this era of the band because. They never even give it a chance. You know, um, they heard that Craig wasn't in it, and that was all they needed to know. And that's the thing about uh, Chiodo fans and in general that drive me nuts because, you know, man, we, we, we come from a scene where people, vocalists especially, get traded out like left and right. Um, this was one of those big arguments back then. It's like Ronnie Craig, Craig, Craig Mabbitt kind of a situation like with Escape the Fate or, you know, it's in the elk and... Um, this album I, I enjoy a lot, uh, especially like Caves. Like when you talk about spacing, like I, I imagine the, the intro to Caves where it feels like you're in a cave. You know what I mean? Yep. And the way that, that fuck, those drum parts echo uh, just really fucking hits you right in the chest. You, you listen to this with a good sound system, bro, your innards are vibrating in a good way. You know what I mean? And um, to me, I think it's probably, and it's going to sound like, like I said, a kind of a contra- controversial shake because a lot of people wouldn't really include it. In the Cheetos discography, I do, and I think it's one of the better albums they got. So, um, just musically, it was just fucking, fucking fantastic, you know. Uh, the, the, to me, the MVP is the drum, is the drumming here. Uh, now, I think that's something that Cheetos fans don't like because you know the MVP for all the other albums, quote unquote, was, was Craig. You know, he was the star of that of that show. Um, but after Craig left, you know, Brandon was not nearly as charismatic of a frontman. I admit, uh, he was kind of a stick in the mud when it comes to performance live. I mean, he sounded good, but he was kind of boring to watch. And I saw them during that era, so um, not as charismatic. So the drumming with Tanner Wayne, who was was Tanner Wayne, was in uh, Scary Kids. Yep, yes he was. Mistaken. Yes he was. And the dude just was just a fucking monster. He's a goddamn savage. I think he was an undermined as well. Um, the dude's He's in a Swedish metal band, black metal band right now, if I'm not mistaken. Is he really? Uh, yeah, I want to say yes. The dude's a goddamn savage. So um, the drumming really, really took hold here. And uh, they did get a, a really, really good job. They have some really good highlight tracks here. And the highs are high, man. But they do have some songs that do kind of, you know, not as interesting. But um, this particular album, I enjoy. So. Um- Chiodos at this point had this kind of precedence set, and it was kind of a brand building thing. If we're talking from a business perspective, mm-hmm. where they are the wild, wacky, kooky ones, and you, you nailed it on the head without put, putting like a label to it. But the replacement vocalist, Brandon, great fucking, mm-hmm. great dude, great vocalist, had had like the the range for it. Mm-hmm. But Chiodos is one of those bands like the Chariot, where you don't really listen to them until you see them live, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, dude, it's just one of those things. How, how are you going to outdo Craig Owens? Yeah. Charismatically, all that stage presence, all that energy, the jumping about and shit like that, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what this album suffers from <laughs> is is the is the lack of backup on tour because Shoto's toured non-fucking-stop. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. since 2005, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. The only breaks they took was to record. Correct. Um, and for a band that relies so fucking heavily on the live show, mm-hmm. and then your new guy kind of doesn't fill that facet, um, I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, because um, I feel like they went from a, they were a band with Craig that got top billing on every tour. And then Craig dropped. And then they started being the second. Band. And then they were the second, third band up. And I'm like, what the fuck is like? What is going on? They were on and a tour. They were, they were on a tour with Brief Carolina, and they were the co-headliners for that. I'm like, how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I can name you five um, Chiodo songs, but I couldn't name you five Brief Carolina songs. I, yeah, for the life of me, I, I you know I couldn't even name you one because I don't like. For, I just don't understand how, uh, from album to album. They just got totally dropped when it comes to like the 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 fan support and even the label support. Like the album was not um, was not very well promoted, and it's almost like the label wanted them to fail without him, without Craig. So um, they kind of took it on the teeth when it came to that man, and uh, a little bit of a bummer because I thought it had some it had some mileage in it. But the fans didn't want it. They they made that abundantly clear, man. When when the album dropped, man, you do yourself a favor one day and go to YouTube cha- uh, YouTube uh, for Caves. Look at the comments. You're, you're gonna see exactly what the fuck I'm talking about, bro. It, well, it sounds cool. It's good, but it's not Craig. It's like, but it sounds good. Yeah. and it sounds Craig cool. is marketable, and Brandon wasn't unfortunately. Co- correct. Yeah, and um, that that was which kind of goes to show, huh? That like, are these Chiodo fans or are they just Craig Owen? But fans? They're, they're Craig Owen fans because when he started up their, his new band, they all flocked, went over there, and here I was who was a, a fan of the band as a whole because they're tremendously ch- talented musicians, and everybody else was like, "Well, Craig's over here doing drug <laughs> drugs, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, two types." Uh, and, oh, well, he was doing both, though, yeah, just to be like yeah, perfectly clear. Correct. And uh, I'm here like, well, I'm like, Chiodos is still kicking ass. Like, why are we not giving them love? And You, you know uh, what bands suffer the exact same fate, maybe not financially, but um, reception-wise? Which one? Vanna. With uh, the Davey Muse tossing. Yeah. And granted, they, they recovered. They recovered very well. Yeah. I, I, okay. But you know damn well when Davey became the new vocalist, people were not having it. Correct. They got over it, though. <laughs> yeah, because they stuck with it. And yeah. so now in That's my true. head there's new continuum where Brandon stayed the Chiodo's vocalist. Forever. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Speaking about continuing with Chiodos, um, we're gonna go ahead and skip over the Essentials collection because it's just the best of. Twenty mm-hmm. fourteen's Devil. Um okay. So Craig is back. Mm-hmm. Still doing drugs. Yeah, uh, both types. Uh, <laughs> No, um, no, fucking drugs split after this because nobody could stand being in a room with the man for fucking more than six months at a time. Keep going. Yeah, so Devil dropped and... Nobody cared. It was okay. I think mm-hmm. what I like best about this album, because I like to look at the good stuff, is that Craig takes time to belt out and to really kind of serenade those slower parts in these songs, mm-hmm. which is nice, whereas mm-hmm. you get it here and there, right, in mm-hmm. previous albums. Yeah. But this one really kind of hammers at home like uh why monsters matter uh duct tape and under your halo are like perfect examples of what i'm talking about here but yeah. i like that and and then they broke up and that's it and that's all i gotta say about you <laughs> no that's that's basically it honestly bro when any of these songs from like uh, i would say the album is okay uh it's o- average yeah it's o- average overall um anytime any of these songs come up on my shelf i skip them so. same absolutely same so um 
in fact, I go, I have none of this saved. Why is this on my shuffle? And it immediately. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about devil because I was disappointed with them at this point. Um, so, um, yeah, so pretty much they, they split, I want to say like six months after the re- release of this album. Probably. I believe Craig said it was because Chiodos has ran its course and none of us kind of want to do this project anymore. So they split on good terms, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and th- that was it. So they had an 11-year run if we're including the first like yeah. demo tapes, right? Um, what, what do you think is the lesson here? Because I, I feel like... I feel like Chiodos could have gone very differently, right? Like, mm-hmm. my prime example for a band that blows up way too quick and it gets to their hands is, is Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Now, Chiodos had a very similar trajectory where, you know, that first, like, proper album release, they were, like I said, catapulted into the limelight. Like, mm-hmm. They were the band to copy, right? Yeah. Like, they were the Asking Alexandria or, like, now, like, the the, the Wage War, whatever the fuck you want to say, right? Correct. Um, but they kind of held it together for a while, and they, they had kind of an honorable discharge, if we can call it that. Sure. You know, not not a not on a grand finale like Let Live or mm-hmm. The Chariot or I, I would even say Vanna went out with a bang. Right? I, th- I think the lesson here is that when bands play, when a band forms, when a band gets together, we should support the band, not the members, because as much as we like to pretend, um, you know that. Um, you know, the members are important and having that original members are important. Underwolf didn't get big until they lost Dallas. Yeah, and then I, I'll say this. I like Dallas's other project, Malian and Sons, way better than his work in Underoath. Correct. Uh, you know, say what you want, you know, about uh, old school Escape the Fate. Craig Mavitt's been in that band for 15 years now. You know what I mean? Like, if you stick with it, it will work. Like you said, Brandon wasn't gave it the chance and... They saw that the album didn't do well, and instead of sticking with it and sticking to their convictions, they're like, "Okay, we'll crack them back in because we need this albums." Well, well, that's the exact same thing we we laid up with the the first demo. It's like, well, maybe Brandon didn't have time to wear in the shoes. You mm-hmm. got to break them in. Correct, and uh, he was never given the opportunity to. And um, Chiodos is, is proof of that. And what exactly what happened? The dude came back, and again, everybody decided that they couldn't spend any more than six months in a room with the guy. You know what I mean? And that was it. And they're probably a band who has had more to contribute because the musicianship is phenomenal and it's always been phenomenal. Um, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't keep it together. There's a reason why Craig Owens hasn't been able to sustain a band since then. And we start to evaluate the problem here. You know what I mean? I put him in the same uh, b- you know, same bag as Johnny Craig from Dance Gavin Dance and Amorosa and all his other bazillion projects, Slaves, all his other projects that he's had. The dude can't keep his shit together. The dude can't get his ego out of the way. And the bands fail because of it, you know? Um, so I think it's kind of sad. Uh, Chios, I think the, the, the whole tale of the tape is that it's kind of a sad story, you know, about a band that had everything, that had all the talent in the world, that had the fan support, and just couldn't keep it together. I think that's fine. And dandy, and I'd, I'd probably agree with most, if not all, of that. Um, yep. Dodos for a little bit felt like lightning in a bottle. Correct. I think it was, um, it was like a new drug, and I'm not talking about Craig Owen drugs, right? Oh, okay. But yep. it, it was one of those things where it was like it was new, it was fun, and they were the best ones doing it when everybody was eating up this style of um, whiny vocals and like drop detuning. You know what I mean? Yeah, for like, sure. People were just devouring it like they've never eaten 
in a buffet before type shit. Mm-hmm. And for, for a little bit, it really did feel like the, it was lightning in a bottle. But eventually, you're right, that bottle cracked. Yeah, it's it's and it's a sad. It's, like I said, it's kind of a sad story because, uh, like I said, the dude himself just can't can't get anything together. Can't keep his life together. Can't uh, you know uh, focus on one project at a time. He's been involved in multiple, you know, and it just never never sticks. Never ever. So, uh, um, well, what are you gonna do? I had a blast doing this. Uh, actually, I, I kind of realized that um, <laughs> there's probably a reason I stayed away from Chiodos for so long, right? Yeah. Um, that being said, I did have a blast. This was kind of out of my wheelhouse. Chodos was one of your bands. Correct. Um, do you have an idea for what you want to do for the next screen review? Because I kind of have an idea. Who do you have an idea for? Well, what do you think I'm going to say? I have no idea. It's been 10 years since Long Live. I think we should do at least either either a 10-year review on Long Live or a career review on The Chariot. Let's do the career review. All right. Career review for the chariot coming up next podcast. Oh man! All right, cool. I'm gonna have to get Kleenex so I don't cry. Two types. Two types. Two, right. Two types of Kleenex for two different pieces. Chariot of, fans. Two different pieces of uh, bodily fluid. fluid. Anyways, ah! <laughs> all right. So, um, I you know I'm looking at this agenda and I was like, holy shit, it's been that long since we ran one because we still got to do the Bring Me the Horizon review, right? Correct. Um, so there's a band called Salem. Uh, they dropped an EP self-titled Salem. Um. Let me just let me just say thank you to all the alt gothy bands coming out in like the two thousands that really paved the way. And you know, we did this thing with um him with My Chemical Romance with bands like that that really paved the way for bands like Creeper, right? Correct. Um Salem does what Creeper does, where it's this goth pop rock orchestral big production movement okay and 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 here's my thing i think they do it better because they have this really organic really genuine sense of the punk feel in it Mm -hmm. and so it's obviously a horror themed ep well like horror ish right okay and it deals with themes like love and death and chasing the girl and then the girl chokes you and puts you in a grave right um (laughs) This is the most fun I've had with a piece of music all year, if I'm being totally honest with really? you. Really? It's five five tracks long. It's maybe 18 minutes and some change, but God damn it, dude. I, I did one listen through, and I did a second listen through, and by the third one, I was singing along with it. It is so much fun. It, like I said, it's very like it's very earnest in its approach, right? It's not trying to like sell you something. It's not trying to like snake oil you into anything. It's just like, yo, dude, we're a bunch of goofballs. Here's some fun, upbeat songs with great instrumentals some catchy and clever lyrics okay oh by the way we wear like fucking black eyeliner and that's it they get in they get out <laughs> and i think if you haven't listened to us you should give it a fucking try man because this thing is an absolute hoot i am downloading it now awesome um and this is like i said they're like um much smaller band and i was like looking for somebody because it's been a while since we had like a small band review mm-hmm so glad I found Salem, man. Nice. So fucking glad. So uh, for fans of bands like MCR, him, Creeper, um, if you enjoy old wounds, any... I don't know about old wounds, but sure. <laughs> uh, for fans of Hocus Pocus, sweet. Salem is your ticket. Cool. Sounds good shit. sounds good. Going back to your vampire aesthetic. Gotta keep. Yeah, you know it all adds up. Gotta keep moving. All right. All right. All right.
the big one. We're here. Finally, after a month of putting this podcast off, this is what we're here for. Let's talk about it. Bring Me the Horizon dropped a brand new EP called Post-Human Survival Horror, which I've mentioned it before. Fucking love it. Uh, the, ti- yeah, the title is just fucking sick. So I love it. Now, here's the deal. Uh, there has been no harsher critic of Bring Me Horizon's style change than me. Uh, I had lost faith in Ali Sykes' ability to deliver powerful vocals and I thought he has went down Justin Bieber territory and uh, we would never get him back Ali Sykes proceeded to kick down my door and shove his fist down my throat for how long is the EP probably 25 minutes right because I'd probably say like 30 there's nine tracks yeah he proceeded to just violate me in ways that were in a situation where I ended up calling him the next morning and asking him if it was okay for him you know uh, there's a, a level of Stockholm syndrome that has taken place here, and um, I love him, but I hate him. I would kill him, but I also want to cuddle him. And uh, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself because. Uh, so Jacob's converted. <laughs> He's back in the cult. Because the because the dude like the shit is good. <laughs> Let's sh- just get that out there. It's good. <laughs> the shit, the shit smacks like viciously. He has taken any level of criticism, like I said. We all kind of think thought at this point, well, you know, he's getting older now. He must have lost his ability to scream because we'll look at the style change. Why else would he change? If he's not doing ketamine, I don't want to listen. Correct. That's what we all thought. And he said, wait, wait, hold the fucking second. Don't forget who the fuck I am. Let me just go ahead and drop some fucking violent, vicious vocals just to shut you guys the fuck up and show you that I can fucking do it, you fucking losers. And uh, that's what he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the dude fucking went off. On this uh, album, this, on the EP album, whatever the fuck this thing is called. This project is really kind of like Rocky in the Creed movies, where the young buck, right? Let's say like Creed is like, uh, like the, the the audience, right? And they're like, oh man, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're just some old dude, right? You're soft. And he's like, hold on, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then this happens, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, Rocky used to be a badass and still kind of is. Exactly. And, um, to say that they came out swinging does not do the level of violence that they la- launch upon us justice. Because <laughs> they 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 kick. Because I think we and I both agree. Like all the singles that they've released up to this point were like very very good. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, turns out that "Parasite Eve" is my most played song of this year so far. So, um, and like all the singers, like oh yeah, really, really good. And then they're like, oh yeah, by the way, Dear Diary just fucking will bulldoze you to the fucking ground. Oh yeah, by the way, Kingslayer featuring Baby Metal will just melt your fucking face because it's so goddamn awesome. Yeah. You know oh, by I mean? the way, we got Amy Lee on here, and it's gonna make you want to roll up in a ball and cry in the tub. <laughs> Basically, yeah, with uh, fucking bleeding mascara and shit, kind of like an so, old Evanescence video. Uh, in typical BMTH fashion, the uh, project was kind of a big production, kind of, uh, I don't want to say tightly knit, but interlaced song to song, right? And you, you really feel it. The, the theme and the, the atmosphere of the music is mm-hmm. conveyed all throughout. Um, I love every single song on here except Luden's. Um, and I yeah, think I'm not crazy about it either. Not, not because it's like a like an okay track. I, I just feel like it was almost like a cop-out. Like, it on here? like it was tacked on. That's what it felt like. Yeah, it was like, oh, well, we have Ludens. That's not on like an official, official mm-hmm. release yet, right? That's what it felt like. Correct. Um, Dippian said, dude, every fucking single song on here is just great. It's very, very well produced, um, you know, to no surprise. Um, the instrumentals are fabulous. The big 
per, the just the fucking the the size, mm-hmm. right? Whenever they release a new project, the it's scope gigantic, right? Yeah. Um, the Kingslayer, you texted me. I was like, I'll get to it when I get to it. It just fucking blew my sunglasses off when I put it on <laughs> in the car. And just everything about this is very well done. Parasite Eve is an absolute banger, and I think that'll be like the new sleepwalking for a little bit. Yeah, I hope so because. Um, it's just like I said. It's just kind of this crazy, unhinged kind of performance by these guys, and it feels like they took kind of the critic- criticism and they say, "Okay, we'll hold my fucking beer real quick." You know what I mean? Like, Where, yeah, they, they, they've been a very good like class act for a while now, right? Yeah. And then it's like, well, you know, when I was in high school, <laughs> yeah. he brought exactly that back. Correct. He's like a businessman in a suit, trying to play football and decimating. Yeah. Because he was this big 280-pound quarterback. Correct. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, the, he just, man, like I said, he just he went out of his way to, like, anybody who ever, can, whoever was critical of his performance on his most recent albums to be like, okay, hold on. You want heavy? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, me, let me get the, uh, let me get the, uh, the fucking, oh, what was that brand for the stupid cartoon anvils that was in Roger Rabbit? Oh, uh, uh, Acme. Acme, yeah. yeah. So, so he went and got an Acme anvil, and he was like, "All right, <laughs> all right, you got, y'all want to fuck?" I, I feel like fucking uh, Eddie Valiant's brother. I got a piano dropped in my fucking head after listening to this goddamn album. Shit was so, fucking crazy. I I think it's no surprise we both love it. It's probably a territory, mm-hmm. if not super close to for both of us. I'm gonna give it like an A minus. I'm thinking A right now. Uh, just do the little. I wish it was a little bit longer. Like that's like my smallest little, yeah. smallest little I, I, nitpick with that. To be fair, we were spoiled for a very long time with Suicide Season, yeah. with There Is a Hell, and with Semp Eternal being such masterworks of puzzle pieces being conjoined together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they did kind of disclose that, hey, like, we're not making, like, traditional albums anymore. Yeah. So I'll give I'll give the length the pass because I understand it. But yeah. give credit where credit is due. It's a phenomenal piece. And I'm kind of excited to see what they do next because... They're all supposed to be themed, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So uh, my my curiosity is is that because, like you said, everything's supposed to be kind of themed. Is the next post human going to be focusing more on their soft sound? Like, is is that what they're doing, or are they just kind of keeping these things together thematically based on like lyrical content? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I, that's what I'm worried about or interested in because post human survival horror, you would be like, oh yeah, that's probably a heavy album, right? But it's post-human fucking legs by the seashore going to be, you know, softer as an example. You know, I don't know. Uh, but at this point, I can't really give the man much shit because you mentioned this before. that They're just doing what they want to do. And they proved that, yeah, I could do that still. And you don't want me to because I'll make everybody else in the scene look bad. But we're doing what we want. And we don't necessarily want to do a heavy album every single time. So... I mean, I can't really give. So, uh, I can't give it too much shit, man. I can't at this point. You made your amends with uh, Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah, because the shit just. Ugh. <laughs> it's um, it's like they've been accumulating all like the dirt and grime and and heaviness and anvils in like a closet since uh, since that's the spirit came out. Yeah, and they've just been waiting. They've been waiting, waiting patiently to drop this on everybody and just be like, okay, I got you. See, <laughs> told you so. You want heavy? Yeah. Because okay. bro, I, I felt like fucking Apollo and Rocky Four at White and Draga. I, <laughs> I get like getting fucking hit in the face, but instead of like throwing the towel, I just I'm like, man, you better not stop this fight. That's what I was at. You know, it was just bad in a good way. <laughs> you know, Jesus yeah. Christ. So a little late, but I think the sentiments are the same across the board. That it's absolutely 
top tier work from a top tier band. Correct. That has proven time and time and again. You can go fuck yourself because they're going to do whatever the fuck they want. Correct. And do it well at that. Yep. As much as we may, we may hate when they go they go into software realms, they said, so too, uh, too bad. <laughs> you know? Like, it is, yeah. whatever, man. I, 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 can't even, Maybe I, can't, the I can't even do it. I can't even say shit about it anymore. Like, I can't even talk shit. Cause I'm sure this will hold us over for a couple of years. For sure. Yeah. For, for at sure. least two or three more soft releases. Correct. Then we're going to be like, okay, come on. Yeah. Do, come it, on. do the thing again. Do, yeah, do the thing. Do that thing. <laughs> do the thing. It's like when you pester your wife. It's like your birthday. Can you make that, that dish I like? Correct. Exactly. Come on, do the thing. Do, do the, the thing. thing. Do you the know, thing. I like the beer bread. Do the thing. Correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's that's, that's, where, that's where I'm at, man. I can't. I don't know, man. I'm, I was kind of left for. Uh, I, I listened to it like probably three times in a row, and I'm just like, "Fuck, bro!" Like, Jesus, like I can't, I can't even complain. Go ahead, keep going. Sorry. All right, ready? Good stuff. Um, so speaking about Bring Me the Horizon, we were supposed to do this a very long time ago, but we're finally getting around to it. Best consecutive album releases, and I said, don't do the obvious one. The obvious one being, there is a hell into Sempaternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's super obvious mm-hmm. i feel like that's like the 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 golden boy here mm-hmm. um so i have two plus one prepared okay um how many did you bring to the table i think i got three three okay you go first because my my two plus one is uh is is one with a variation okay so uh i'm actually go going back to back to back with one of these and that is the architects which is a little cheating uh lost together lost forever lost together Obviously, uh, I think this is the start of their like supreme reign of terror that they've plagued the scene with, where they're just the best band on the planet. Uh, going into all of our gods have abandoned us, which just is absolute shredder of an album, and then going into holy hell, uh, which is not as heavy but still extremely well constructed and beautiful. Cool. And I guess we'll have to see what the next album sounds like because I like what I've heard so far. So maybe it would be uh, a back-to-back-to-back-to-back, you know? Uh, So that was my first one. My second one was a little bit more of a surprise, and that was The Enemy Affliction. From chasing, oh, nice. yeah. chasing ghosts from chasing, uh, let the oceans take me. Yep, chasing ghosts from prime time, baby, prime c- time. Correct. Um, you know, just a, a extremely well well done pieces of music because Amity is one of those bands that you could just sing along with and uh, kind of get your feelings out. And both albums just did a, a tremendous job of that. And I just love the kind of theming of the kind of the quote unquote the main character on the album cover. It's meant yep. to, it's meant to be a two parter, you know. Where it's that same character kind of experiencing different uh, levels of emotion from obviously from severe depression to maybe freedom to a certain extent, um, and it's, it's really nice because because um, let the ocean take me doesn't really lean on me or I should say lean on chasing. Go- I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so there is that and uh, something a little bit more recent, uh, Code Orange forever Fuck going yeah. into underneath, which is just. I mean, man. Fuck, at, yeah. at this point, Code Orange might, might get my album of the year. We'll see, but th- those are the best two that I can think of uh, that I, I kind of brought to the table. I had August Burns Red on the list too, but I'm like, ah, that's that's kind of cheating too. Uh, and I also had Under Oath, but I'm like, we've talked about those albums at length, so I kind of wanted to bring something a little bit different to the table uh, with that. And um, I think, well, maybe if I could pull up one more in a second. Um, yeah, sure. So I, I brought two fun ones. Sure. Um, I think you'll you'll like both of these. So the first one is you take any any two consecutive ones from from their first four albums. Um, Alex is on fire. Self title mm-hmm. into Watch Out, into Crisis, into Old Crow's Young Cardinals. You take any of those two that were consecutive, and it fucking works. Correct. 
Um, and then the other one, I was trying to find the right words for it, and then you said the architect's reign of terror. Yeah, overseas, their reign of terror. But mm. if you want to talk about reign of terror at the home front, laugh tracks into a different shade of blue by not fucking loose. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about a band that reinvigorated hardcore as hardcore? This is the one. Unrelenting, unforgiving, back to back to back. If you've ever wanted to get into a bar fight, I always say go dropkick Murphy's or go knock loose. You will not find a better bar fight track. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the only thing, the only difference between those two bands is that the architects have had a longer run. Absolutely. On, on top. You know what I mean? And uh, we'll see because I think uh, when I did the, when I did the knock loose, um, review for a different shade of blue. I was waiting for them to kind of dip in quality because we had a couple of bands in that same time that had a really good first album and the second album wasn't as good, and they kind of caught me by surprise because there was no major drop in quality. You know, no, so, no, no, no. It, it was a matter of favorites. If we're being honest, correct, it wasn't yeah. like oh, this song's better than this. It was like, well, I kind of like Dead Ringer better than uh, Mistakes Like Fractures, which correct. is fair, yeah, but also wrong. <laughs> but also not wrong, right? Like you see, like it's fucky. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in seeing what the next one sounds like. You know, um, it's just weird because I feel like it, it, I don't know if you if you feel this way, but with kind of COVID and how it's worked, I feel like the scene has frozen. You know, like every uh, you know, I, I spoke about it at length, but uh, it's confirmed every time I die is sitting on the album. Yeah, it feels like everything is just kind of stopped. You know. And uh, and it's because yeah, because it, it's it's like we're we're in the middle of a loop, especially when it comes to like a band like a Knock Loose and like a Code Orange to a certain extent. It's like we're in the middle of a loop of a roller coaster and it stops midway, and we're like, uh, what do we yeah. do? You know what I mean? Like I, that's, I get that kind of feeling in my stomach when it comes to that. So it's kind of interesting. We'll see what happens next. A lot of these smaller bands are releasing stuff to survive. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but the well-established dudes, man, they don't they don't need it right now. Yeah, they, they they're just waiting. They're, they're going to be like, we're going to wait till we can tour because we're going to have the best merch designs. Mm-hmm. We're going to hit, we're going to do like an 85 day tour and we're going to do like 72 stops. Correct. Yeah. And uh, imagine just wait till the, that fucking ass- assault on our ears happens when all those bands decide to come out swinging again, you know? So, yeah, uh, we're, we're going to have some phenomenal tours, some phenomenal music dropping because, um, you know, and I don't, I, I know you don't like the band, but uh, a lot, I see a lot of the, the same sentiment being shared. Because uh, Matt Shadows from Event Sevenfold, he's like, "Yo, dude, we can't tour. I don't want to drop it." And I was like, "You know what? I understand. I guess mm-hmm. you know, do what you got to do for sure." Uh, and uh, yeah, it's kind of an interesting set of affairs. I did have one more, uh, and that is Parkway Drive, Deep Blue to Atlas. Because just, yeah. just listen to the shit, bro. <laughs> you know, goddamn. Just sit down and listen to it. You don't need an explanation. Exactly. You need music. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I did want to cover one last thing before we took off today, which we had quite a lengthy show, which I'm quite proud of because I was a little worried. Um, and Spirit dropped another single. Yeah. Uh, this single is called Deep Cove, right? I said. I think that's what it's called. Uh, now, the only ma- minor complaint I have about this track is that this when the song starts, it feels like it's starting in the middle of a song. Like, there's no build. Yeah. Like, there's no build at all. Like, the song just starts. That's a little weird. Uh, but they have a breakdown in here that just makes me want to fucking jump out a window. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we got that action going. Uh, I do want to do a kind of a other... Another career in review coming up soon. 
maybe after the chariot for to the wind. I know they don't have the largest discography in the world. Oh, you you've been jammed. Uh, I've been I've been jammed because I came across something on shovel the other day. And I'm like, man, that fucking ripped. What was that? I'm like, of course it was fucking to the wind. I think you've mentioned that uh, before, right? I love this band. Yeah, because um, they were they were doing a leg of a Vanna tour, and I was like, yo, Jake, you need to sit down and listen to this. And uh, they're if you want to talk about top twenty albums. It, it, it's going to be hard to pick one from this album from this artist to put on that list for mm-hmm. me because to the brighter view block out the sun and sleep i mean you know me i'm a sucker for the very like introspective look of like like yeah dude i'm a hardcore vocalist but don't not fuck the world fuck me and my choices correct yeah and like yeah because there was the song about his mom he's like mom was yeah I, dude, was I a good I son was just about to mention hands of the clock i yeah. was literally at the gym one day when that came on and i was deadlifting and i had to put it down i was like dude I did not sign a permission <laughs> slip for this deal strip. This is, exactly. This is too much right now, but it's a banger, though. Exactly. Absolutely. So um, maybe after the chariot, well, like I said, not the longest discovery discography in the world, but I definitely feel like we can have a conversation about it. So, uh, uh, fun fact: To the Wind actually toured with the chariot for the farewell tour, if I'm not mistaken. That's they? where I saw him for the first time. Oh, cool. Was at the uh, farewell tour. Oh, very very cool. Excellent. So um, I think, unless you got something else. I believe that was episode 165. Of... Oh, uh, I, I do have one last thing. Okay. Kelsey Grin dropped a new single, um, and it, it's really cool because there's a breakdown within a breakdown. So if you ever want to, like, listen to the sound of your eyes bleeding in, like, a good way, I'd recommend it. <laughs> bro, fucking Amir's been doing that for 15 years, bro. <laughs> listen, dude. This, this Chelsea Grin right now. <laughs> They are they are demanding attention. Okay, we we get we can take a look. Demanding attention, Jacob. <laughs> all right, uh, I'll check it out too, and we'll talk about that next week. All right, for sure. All righty, buddy. That was episode 165 of the Second City Kids podcast. Yeah, please join me on Twitch, man. We've been having a fucking blast on Twitch recently. I've uh, been streaming some Call of Duty as well as some Apex Legends, and we've been having a party. So uh, if you guys get the opportunity to stop in a stream, I stream on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be streaming games tonight because I did the, the show. Uh, but please stop in. We're having a, a good old time. I'm on the the road to 25 followers and i'm ready to get that going so uh you know you guys know the deal uh, you guys you know you, we have everything else we place throughout the intro thank you guys for joining us and until next time folks uh deuces and for my people on twitch thank you guys for watching i'm gonna go ahead and shut down the sh-